tired of the light, then escape into the dark with DJ Evil Dave and Dr. Brandy's sexy voice. It's the Dark Corner Podcast, presented by StrangeAndDeadly.com. I'm just as fucked up as they say. I can't fake the daytime. I found an entrance to escape into the dark. Got false lights for the sun. It's an artificial nocturne. It's an outsider's escape for a broken heart. Alright, now that it seems like I've wrestled my laptop into submission, we can begin this thing. You did a full Nelson on it. Oh, Kitty's now yeah, interested. Kitty's now interested. No, except now it's doing a weird thing. There we go. Yeah, it's being touchy. Yeah, well, technology. Yeah. Well, it's old. I mean, even for a Mac, you know. <laughs> it does this bit in Audacity where it's not showing the scrolling and then suddenly pops up with all of it. Yeah, it's like, here it is. But that seems to be my issue with it right now is kind of the some graphic things. Yeah. Like being in Facebook and hovering over things and they turn black. That's weird. That's scary. Yeah, it is. Freaky. I know. Your laptop has been possessed. And there it goes again. Flop. <laughs> so this audio might be choppy. I don't know. I'll have to hear it when we're done recording. Yeah, because God forbid we use mine like I've often oh, many times. Oh, did you want to? I can stop this and we can use yours. Too late. Okay. You sure? <laughs> have we talked for about a minute? Because uh, that's what it's telling me. I guess so. Okay. Anyhow, we're back after our Thanksgiving hiatus. Hiatus? Yeah. How are you doing? Hey, how are you? I name a kid Atus just so they can do that. Hiatus. No. 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 Please don't. Okay. That's silly. Yeah, we're back. It's December. It looks like summer, except the trees have no leaves. We're supposed to get snow tomorrow. We'll see if that happens. But it's cold, but there's no snow. Yeah, and it's still like a high in the 40s. Yeah, it's hovering around freezing. That would mean nothing to anyone outside the United States. Yeah, um, it's it's hovering around zero degrees centigrade. Yeah, it's better. Uh, no, it's not. That's the low. No. Yeah, because... It's, it's been below zero degrees centigrade for some of the lows. Yeah, I'm saying hovering around, which means it could be below. Oh, all right. As I've seen 31 degrees, I've seen 30 degrees. That's Fahrenheit. Today it's supposed to be 52, 52 yeah, in December. 52. But global climate change isn't real. <laughs> nope. Ugh. Well, we're living in the upside down, aren't we? Especially today. Yep. We might as well live on a flat earth. That's how little reason or common sense there is in the world today. Mm-hmm. And especially for by lobbyists. Oh, yeah. And, uh, and to sign off on a bill where there's handwriting in the margins. That That's no one can lovely. read. Mm-hmm. You can't turn in a college paper like that and have it be valid. So why is this law valid? It shouldn't be. And it's going to screw everybody except the rich. Of course. Like, what, drilling and... Alaska Wildlife Preserve. Preserves. Yeah, and now uh, Life Begins at Conception. Yeah, mm-hmm. that's part of the tax bill. Yep. It's so disgusting. And the people in the GOP who should have just stood firm didn't. Because in the end, they're all spineless people who are beholden to their contributors. That yep. is not how democracy works. Bought and paid for by lobbyists. Yep. Mm-hmm. And the lobbyists are the corporations with the most money. Mm-hmm. So draining the swamp? No, you've only made it a hundred <laughs> times bigger. Why the heck does my Amazon Music always want to open? I don't even tell it to open at log on. 
it it thinks you always want to listen to it. It wants to listen to music. And I hate that interface. I don't like the Amazon Music. I mean, I like it for streaming, but for using your library, bleh. It's um, a laptop. It's not so great. On the mobile app, it seems to be better. Okay, yeah, because it has it struggles to read my library. 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 My library. Fuck our government. Um, <laughs> yeah, I said it. Fuck our government because they're fucking us. Mm-hmm. They are fucking us six ways to Sunday. So thanks a lot for that, all you people who are supposed to be representing us. Yep. Durr. <sighs> Sickening. Yeah, we're just in the aftermath of that, so it's still fresh. It's a fresh wound. Yeah, we're not happy. Nobody is happy except the rich people. Mm, there's a kitty whisker right there. Yeah. Rich people and the people who still think that Trump cares about them. Oh, and that Hillary would have been the worst choice. Mm. <laughs> yeah, this, uh, this tax plan would have never Never happen under Hillary. Because guess what, guys? We tried trickle-down economics in the 80s. Didn't work then. Oh, Reagan totally screwed us up. Oh, yeah. The homelessness in America is largely due to Reagan and his um, approach to mental health care. Mm-hmm. He uh, closed up a lot of uh, the mental health institutions, and all these uh, insane people were just sent out on the streets with nowhere to go. And that's persisted since. It's very difficult for people to find affordable mental health. It shouldn't be that way. No. Oh, that's another thing they rolled back on was some of the Affordable Care Act stuff. Oh, yeah. They uh, removed the mandate so that now 13 million people will lose their insurance. Mm -hmm. So, great job. Um, And yet they still have taxpayer-paid health coverage. mm -hmm. Well, they're living in their castles with the moats and Yeah, well, guess what? We're starting to get our torches and pitchforks (laughs) together. It's getting to be that way. I mean, if you just look at Twitter, people are riled. We're going to storm Parliament, kick the bloody doors down, and say, look, we'll pay for the damage. (laughs) Well, I am related to Guy Fawkes, Mm. the whole gunpowder plot. Have a revolution? Just budget for it. Budget for it. Mm -hmm. Thanks, Eddie. I'll move to Canada, where there's common sense still in the world. Where their leader actually apologizes for the things done wrong to the LGBTQ community. Mm Mm-hmm. Where their leader accepts everyone, where they have they have free health care, yeah, where the banking institutions are trustworthy, mm-hmm. or if you would put your money in a bank, you can count on that actually being used properly and you know, cared for properly. This might be the golden opportunity for our government to collapse and Canada to annex us. Oh my God, we could be South Canada. We could be South Canada. It would be so much better than what we have now. <laughs> Thing is, we dump half our budget into the military, more than half. Yeah. So, well, let's know. stop talking about it, because yeah, otherwise I'm just going to start shouting. That kind of count as banter? Mm-hmm. Or more like ranter? Yeah, it's ranter this time. Okay. Ranter. Uh, shall we get into some news? Sure. Do, 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 do. Let's do a fanfare. <laughs> okay, so some news. Uh, Geek Planet Online has shut down. Not yet. It's closing of, its doors. End of December. End of December, closing its doors. I we noticed. got out a bit early. Very little notice to certain fellow podcasters. Actually, uh, the podcasters had no notice until the public announcement. Wow. That's a difficult thing. And yep. I, I feel for everybody. I'm, I'm sorry that the website is closing and that... 
people are now scrambling to find a new home. Yeah, I, I, I understand the reasons behind it. I'm not saying true. that it's right or wrong. I'm just saying it's a difficult thing. It could have been done better. With I'm, not, I'm not even going to go that far. I'm just going to say yep. it's a difficult thing. Yeah, because it was our previous home and yeah. it brought us more listeners and greater opportunity, free hosting for a while. Mm-hmm. But we left over creative differences. We wanted to do one thing with our podcast and <laughs> it didn't seem to fit with uh, Geek Planet Online's wheelhouse, I suppose. And we were very lucky to find our home with Strange and Deadly. Yeah. So, some recommendations for you guys to follow various podcasts that used to be on Geek Planet Online. They're broadcast. Mm-hmm. Check them out. I believe Reverend Org's going to Libsyn. Yeah, Libsyn's a good place to be. That's where Trek FM is. So, I know they're good. And they're really good about reporting numbers and all sorts of information right directly to you. Right. And that's great. And tell you even what where your listeners are. Yeah. So you find out, oh, we've got a bunch of people in Germany. we got a bunch of people in Canada. Yeah, and that's also where uh, Hypnagoria is going. Yeah. So, so Jim Moon and his Patreon, too, if you want to support him, now that he's going to be covering the costs of producing a podcast. Yeah, well, and that's partially what the Patreon is for, mm-hmm. anyway. Patreon is a really great way, even if you can only give a little bit of money, it adds up. Because if everybody, you know, if every listener gave a dollar to Jim Moon, he probably wouldn't have to work. Yeah, it's true. So, um, and that's kind of the end goal for something like Patreon for a podcast is to make that your primary job. Yeah. So if you could live off just being a podcaster and concentrate on that only. Yeah, without having to be beholden to advertisers. Uh-huh. That's why I like Patreon so much, is that you don't have to be beholden to third-party advertisers. No, the money comes from your listenership. It's like a subscription service almost. Yep. And you, yeah, you get your free podcasts on the side and you get special uh, Patreon podcasts for subscribing. And the Patreon benefits for Hypnagoria are the best. Yep. Well, the best along with Twilight Zone podcasts. I am a patron for Hypnagoria, for the Twilight Zone Network, and for Night of Living Podcast. And yeah, you do get some pretty decent rewards from it. Yeah, well, and the thing is, is I would do it even without the rewards. Yeah, just, just because I offer. Yeah, to support. offer support. Tom finally finished Planet of the Apes. Tom, you need to consolidate that entire thing into one file, please. Thank mm-hmm. you. <laughs> I'm yeah. sure he's probably going to do that, but... And I, I want him to do that with the thing reading that he did. And basically, Tom, when you read a short story, and if you do it in parts, please just put them all together in one file at the end so that <laughs> I can keep it forever, because you know I will. You could always rip them from him and compile your own thing. I know, but I... <laughs> Don't have the time. No, it's the not desire. that. It's not that. It, I have more time than Tom does in that respect. So. Yeah. So, that happened. Yeah, that happened. <laughs> um, this is news, too, that I didn't write into the thing. I recently did a an episode of The Edge on Trek FM, which The Edge is the main show for Star Trek Discovery and Live from the Edge, which I do with Bruce Gibson, is one of the sub-shows that only runs when Discovery is airing, because right. we talk about the newest episode uh, after it happens. I did this podcast, uh, it's episode 22, it's called Themes, and uh, I was invited by Amy Nelson of Trek FM, who hosts, uh, co-hosts the Earl Grey podcast about TNG, and also is one of the main hosts of The Edge, and she also hosts Postcards from The Edge. I don't know how she has time for all of this, as she's a teacher as well. Yeah. And Heather Barker, we had an all-female 
uh, episode and we talked about themes and I am really proud of this episode. If you want to hear it, go over to Trek FM and grab episode 22 of The Edge. If you don't like women or honesty or feelings, uh, I invite you to skip it. <laughs> <laughs> I've listened. It's very good. And I think what really sends it over in terms of podcasts and quality is your personal stories that you relate to the themes, which was a neat approach to discussing them, like things like logic versus emotion. Power manipulation. Yeah. And and safety. Sacrifice. Yep. You know, these things that you approach and you talk about the moments in Discovery where those themes take place and then you can relate it to your own personal lives where those themes took hold in your life path. Yep, there are many instances. And and what is Star Trek there for except us, for us to re-examine our own lives and relate to each other? Mm-hmm. Because that is one of the greatest things about Star Trek is it brings people together. And your stories are diverse. So different backgrounds, different experiences, and how even those different backgrounds can still relate to the same show Yep. in that general theme sort of way. Yeah, plus women talking about Star Trek. Yeah, which is fun. Yeah, I'm going to plug that. I just did. Thursday night. What did we do Thursday night, Dave? Oh, we played Dungeons & Dragons. Chris Bodley, who's one of our improv coaches and one of the head honchos over at Sasquatch Cowboy, he's joined us as a tiefling warlock mm-hmm. and had a good old time, was spamming the hell out of his Eldritch Blast, <laughs> which, you know, if you're a warlock, that's like the way to go. It's like, okay, get Eldritch Blast, get the plus five invocation bonus. So you're D10 plus five each blast. He's fifth level, so he gets two blasts. It's a cantrip, so he can cast it for free. Yeah, anytime he wants. Blasting the hell out of everything. His charisma is 20, so his spell attack bonus is plus 8. Uh-huh. Because his proficiency bonus is plus 3, so he's just smacking the hell out of things. I guess a lot of the things you were attacking were an armor class of 16, so he basically needed an 8 to hit anything. Mm-hmm. So yeah, he was spamming the hell out of that. Got to use his magic carpet. That was fun. <laughs> yeah. We decided to go into this mine together. It was funny because he has a really good deception skill, and yet he couldn't fool us as far he as why us. He, he wanted couldn't fool to the mayor who's just giving these, him these sideways glances like, why do yeah. you want to go into this? So he finally came clean and says, okay, I'm actually a bounty hunter. I'm after this guy who's in this mine. And basically what my character said was, uh, does he deserve what he's going to get? But, oh, yeah. Okay, I'm in. <laughs> yeah. I'm in. Yeah. Let's do this. But, yeah, we had to go down a rope into a hole. I said, uh, can your carpet carry my wolf? <laughs> that was great. <laughs> so, and she, she just kind of climbed down and was like, oh, this is nice. Oh, it smells so clean. Because <laughs> it's actually a sentient magic item. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of like the magic carpet in Aladdin. So evil, and well, it yeah, evil. Yeah, cannot yeah. get stained with anything, even blood. So it's spotlessly clean all the time. Which is why I say, again, it's really great for moving dead bodies. Yes. So, <laughs> yeah. So, yes, Phaedra climbed on and was like, oh, this is nice. <laughs> so, yeah, she managed to get down without having to struggle. Yeah. I could have carried her down, but it was so much more convenient yeah. and easy for her. Because I have a talking wolf. <laughs> yeah, you do have a talking wolf, which was funny when this warlock, Grimlock, discovered that. He's like, holy crap, you guys got talking animals? And, and we're then... like, holy crap, you've got a magic carpet? <laughs> <laughs> and then um, Essa, who is our 
fighter rogue, she has a fairy dragon. And so often, Bowen, her fairy dragon, is invisible. And she stopped to get some discounted meats from this halfling vendor who was feeding Bowen. Yeah. And I've just, I've been talking to Phaedra more because I like to make you make her talk. Yeah. And I'm like, uh, Phaedra, would you like some, uh, some dried meats? <laughs> She's like, yes, please. I will take all of your dried meats. <laughs> <laughs> And chewing on jerky. Mm-hmm. It was I, I enjoyable. I want my wolf to be happy because when this charm spell ends, I don't want her to leave me. Rescuing these enslaved miners from some uh, gray dwarves who are a bit frightening once you see bit. their abilities. They can be invisible at will yeah. for, I think, about an hour or so. They were doing that just to mess with all the prisoners. So even if there weren't any gray doors around you would never know and so you'd always suspect that you're being watched so twisted long shadow our cleric entered first and a bunch of javelins came at him yeah <laughs> and then they all appeared because you know once they attacked their invisibility was canceled just like in skyrim yeah and we had a big old fight we did have a big old fight and i was wondering why you were using the lego people instead of the skellies yeah and then i realized after they all became big during the battle that's another thing gray dwarves can do is they can enlarge themselves and so they become large creatures which is double human size it's about 10 to 12 feet tall yeah and And then all of their attacks are double damage yeah and that hurt because they hit a couple of us yeah. Well, I didn't. I didn't get hurt damage. in the first battle, but I did in the second yeah. battle. So yeah. Yep. I'm down 14 points. Oh, should have either you can heal yourself or the player can heal you. Yeah. Well, we stopped before I got to that point. Yeah. So think I'm gonna keep track of people's spell slots this time because it kind of fits the scenario of trying to get in and out before all your spell slots get. Because often when we come back, I'll just give you all your spell slots back anyway. Yeah, well, I have used one. Yeah, I I've used, used Hail of Thorns one. I think three. Because, yeah, Essa asked, asked me to do, like, detect magic on the door to make sure it wasn't, like, magically trapped or whatever. Yeah. And then I did a healing spell and mm-hmm. my spiritual weapon. Yeah. That spiritual weapon was awesome! We cleared out this area in the mines where a lot of the slaves were digging, I guess you'd call it. Mining. Mining. And took out, what, seven of them? Mm-hmm. That was a fun battle. And freed the slaves, picked up a halfling companion. He turns out to have a sailing background, so I was going to help when we get the pirate ship. Yay for Helena! Yep, because she can actually pilot the thing, which we don't have yet. Yeah. <laughs> Somebody who can actually navigate and steer. We got to see Hunger of Hadar. Right, that was at the prisons, yeah. because um this halfling bard had a dragonborn monk companion who's uh, in this prison area. It's kind of a a hot springs type room. You know, there's like hot gases in there. Since she's a silver dragonborn, she's more cold and frost. And so it's suppressed her abilities. Yeah, that's torture. Yeah. So we went to go rescue her and uh, found another five gray dwarves hanging around there. And that's when uh, Grimlock cast Hunger of Hadar, which is a Lovecraftian type spell. This opens this 40 foot across orb of pitch blackness so anybody inside is blinded then a bunch of tentacles and weird whispers milky tentacles. milky tentacles milky. and anybody who starts the turn inside takes two dice six cold damage yeah and if they end the turn in there they take two dice six acid damage yeah. and some poor guy got lost in there he couldn't find the way out so he got doubled mm-hmm. and then after that you know but to um 
passed through, you know, we would have struggled to get through. Yeah. We would have taken some damage, so then he canceled the spell, and that was after Longshadow sent in his uh, spiritual weapon. So the spell gets dispelled, and then there's a spinning sickle blade <laughs> that took out the guy who uh, got double damage. Did you not reap them with mm-hmm. your grim reaping equipment? And one of the prison cells was the guy that uh, Grimlock's after, this uh, stevedore who murdered a sex worker. He didn't just murder her. No, he, he tortured he her. He cut her up, and then she died later from injuries. Yeah, he tortured her. Yeah. So, guess how he's gonna die? Mm-hmm. First two guesses don't count. <laughs> Yeah, it's eye for an eye, so, uh, you know, death from a thousand cuts kind of scenario. He's to die by the dagger when he least expects it, so it's not like he's going to be killed right then and there. It's like, free him, get him out of the mine. Give him hope. Give him hope. Think he's, you know, scot-free, and then step, 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 step. Yes, and um, Al will secretly enjoy watching that. Mm Mm-hmm, because she has a kind of a vengeance quality to her. Yep. Kind of we, with the chaotic good. We won't uh, discuss why. It's part of her backstory that is still a mystery yep. to all others. Which is kind of cool because it gives you a connection to Grimlock. Yes. So that'll be fun to explore. Yep. And that's pretty much where we left off because there's a lot of battles. And battles take up a lot of time. And then there's some setup beforehand just to get people you know, involved. Well set up before we actually got into the mine proper. Yeah. But yeah, I was thinking yesterday about where to go next, and they filled in some blanks, so that's exciting. And you guys are just going up levels too, because you know you made it 800 experience for that. It's like a few more of those, and you'll be six level in no time. Crazy. Yeah, crazy. Okay, so any more news from you, darling? Oh, not that I can think of. Okay, then it's time to talk about shit we watched. Shit we watched. What do you want to start with? Uh, well, let's start with the oldest thing, which is technically they kind of happen at the same time. Let's start with Thor Ragnarok. Thor Ragnarok. I enjoyed the hell out of it. Yep, I did see it twice because I had to take my mum. And I think I enjoyed it even more the second time. Yeah, because you can relax. You don't have to follow the story as closely. You can just enjoy it because you know where it's going. And you can pick up on things that you might have missed the first time. Yep, I loved it. I don't know what else to say other than it was everything I had hoped. And more. a good screenplay because the opening is like, okay, where is this going? You know, he's got this Balrog-like demon, and he's in chains in front of it. And he's telling the story, and you're like, okay, is this after things took place? No, no, this is before. My favorite first big laugh of the movie was, I mean, there were other laughs, like when he's basically dangling on the chain and he keeps twisting around. Mm -hmm. And so he's like, wait, wait, sorry. Sorry. I can't can't help it. It's doing this (laughs) itself. I'll come back. Okay, continue. But the big one was when the whatever it was was chasing it was kind of like a dragon oh yeah and only the head comes through the bifrost mm-hmm. scourge is currently working the bifrost and he has ladies hanging out oh yeah carl urban fucking brilliant mm-hmm. in this role and so it just hits the floor and just slides i mean they get covered by its goo yeah. and then it hit the head hits the floor and just was one of those moments that I'm like, yep, that's my kind of comedy. So I truly enjoyed that. I also really enjoyed Anthony Hopkins playing Loki, playing Odin. That was fun. That was so well done. Props, Tony. Props. Mm-hmm. 
you know I love me some Loki. I think the standout really, though, it's got to be Kate Blanchett as Hella because she obviously was having a hella good time. Yep, and adding a little Trumpisms to it. No, so it was. She was magnificent. Of course, she's always magnificent. Yeah, she's one of those people that, as far as I know, never phones it in. But she really got to camp it up this time, and I loved every second of it. And revealed what an ass Odin was to begin with. Oh and yeah, how he got to his position of power. Well, and we kind of got a hint of that in Dark World. Mm -hmm. And a little bit of that in the first Thor, when yeah. he talked about, you know, the time before where he would bring the Frost Giants low. I have heard complaints about the whole thing at Sakaar, and why was that there, and it shouldn't have been in the movie. Um, here's the thing, guys, okay? Marvel doesn't have the full rights to The Incredible Hulk, so they cannot do a Hulk solo movie. So they're sneaking it in where they can. So I think it's Universal that has the Hulk film rights. Yeah, and Universal does not play well with others. Yeah, I think they have it. And so what they're doing is a hidden Planet Hulk movie. Yeah, that's basically what they're doing. And it's basically going to be like a trilogy of Hulk films, but kind of disguised as the other films. Mm -hmm. So, and I have I have no problem with that because it's still connected to everything. Oh, yeah. Because Thor and Loki both got thrown out of the Bifrost while they were escaping and so it's only natural that they would end up in some weird shithole like Sakaar. Yeah, and it ties it to Guardians of the Galaxy, so that's cool. Yeah, especially with the with the Grandmaster, mm -hmm. because, come on, we all know that that's, that's the collector's, collector's brother. Yeah. They don't explicitly say it, but we know. Yeah, it's, we know. it's obvious. And Jeff Goldblum, always a delight, mm -hmm. because he does everything like he's having an actual conversation with someone. Yeah, that's his acting style. In fact, he teaches that, is to uh, speak your lines as if you're coming up with it in the moment. Yeah. And so it feels natural. That's why Jeff Goldblum always appears as Jeff Goldblum in films, is that's his style. The kind of stuttering, the hesitation, the seemingly sudden um, inspiration and in finding a word in the middle of a phrase. Yeah, but I still enjoy that because I still feel like he portrays a character. Yeah, it comes off as real. It's just yeah. since that's his style, he appears as that most times. I mean, there's not really much difference other than intention, but that's enough, you know, to separate one character from another. Now, Brindle's going to be very different than the Collector, than was Malcolm, what, what was Ian Malcolm. Ian Malcolm. Now, they're all different characters, but they all have a similar expression. Well, in any case, he was delightful. Yeah, I enjoy Goldblum. Oh, Cork. Um, yeah. He, you he, know, he, if you're the director of the right. film and you want to put yourself in it, you can do it in a better way. Hello, my name's Cork. Kind of a leader around here. Made of rocks. Don't let that frighten you. Apparently he's based <laughs> that performance on bouncers in it, New Zealand it, bars. Yes, that makes total sense. Because they're giant, but they're very sweet. They're polite. Yeah, polite and often have kind of a higher voice register. And another funny thing that made me laugh, and I hope was an inside joke about what we do in the shadows, uh, was Cork <laughs> offering, you know, Thor has to pick a, a weapon to mm -hmm. go fight the Hulk. He doesn't know it's the Hulk yet. Cork's like, what about this fork? <laughs> you killed three vampires who are really close together. <laughs> it's like huddled together. Huddled together. <laughs> Just, and I laughed. Yeah, he was a breakout character for a lot of people. He was really great. Really enjoyed him. Thor asking Nick where he, he was from. Oh, Nick's dead. <laughs> I accidentally stepped on him during the battle. I felt so bad I've been carrying him around all day. <laughs> and then he wakes up. Oh, he's not dead. Oh, he's not dead. What was that question? <laughs> <laughs> I just fucking love this movie so much. 
I don't know why there was so much speculation about the mid credit scene, uh, because it was obvious to me that was Thanos showing oh, yeah, up for the Infinity Thanos Stone that Loki obviously took. Yeah, I thought that was obvious. Hubcast brought up an interesting point, is it's really the first Marvel film to have real consequence. Oh, yeah. Like, real lasting consequence that Asgard gets destroyed. It's gone. It's gone. It's gone. That the Asgardians are now immigrants, that Thor has lost an eye, he's lost his hammer, he's lost pretty much everything. Odin's died, apparently. Well, Odin chose to go home. Yeah. You know what I mean? <laughs> he was talking the... about how his mother was, or how his wife was calling from home. Yeah. So, he was just going back into star stuff, basically. Yes. He knew it was his time. So, even with all the humor, all the all the comedy, that it's actually quite a serious film with real consequences. So all of the Warriors 3 dead. Yeah, without, yeah. without lines of dialogue even. Just... Yeah, it's like, oh, thanks for having Zachary Levi back just to kill him. Mm -hmm. oh. The only one not there was, what, Lady Sif? Sif. Yeah, Sif was not there, so I wonder where she was. Yep. Anyway, I enjoyed it immensely, and uh, it is now my favorite Marvel film, and that is saying a lot. Oh, it's very good. I still like Winter Soldier a lot. Oh, I do, but too. But it's a different kind of movie. It is, and if I'm going to pick my favorite Captain America film, I will pick Winter Soldier. Yeah. But overall, and this <laughs> Enjoyment. Is, and overall, and I'm not saying enjoyment. It's just, it's in my opinion, the best Marvel film so far. Right. You know, everybody has their own opinions, and they're mm -hmm. neither right nor wrong. That's just mine. Yeah. Yeah. Because they're so different. If you put Winter Soldier against Ragnarok, they're, I can like them about equally, but for very different reasons. Mm -hmm. Stranger Things Season 2. You did not watch all of Season 1, and I don't blame you. Because, uh, yeah, if you were struggling with the um, 80s references... Mm -hmm. They're really piled on high in the first season. They kind of dialed that down a bit in the second. I watched the first episode in its entirety of season one. Right. And I was like, I can't do this. No. Nope. I cannot do this. It was way too much of a nostalgia fest. Yeah, it was too in your face. A lot of other people are like, oh, it was so subtle. I'm like, what? <laughs> watching but you know that again opinion it's laid on thick so i saw the first episode in its entirety and i saw bits and pieces and i saw about the last 20 minutes of the last episode right and so that's all i had seen and for some reason for reasons i still cannot explain to myself i said dave i will watch season two of stranger things with you i think just for the performance of millie bobby brown it wasn't just that, though. It wasn't just that. Because she's really good. She is really good, but it um, wasn't just that. I love all of those kids. She gets to throw a little psychic tantrum. If, if we're going to be fair, Dustin's my favorite. Ah. <laughs> I can't do that. It's something that's in the throat. And Poor I Will. is like, is he going to ever have a season where something doesn't happen specifically to him? Yeah, well, come on. When he <laughs> coughed up that slug, we yeah. all knew. Oh, yeah. And I knew he was going to cough up a fucking slug when I was watching. I hadn't even watched the whole season. And I'm, he's in the bathroom. I'm like, oh, he's going to cough up a slug, isn't he? Mm -hmm. Just like that episode of The X-Files. Mm -hmm. I really enjoyed season two. I like the Hopper 11 relationship. I fell in love with Hopper in a way that I never thought possible. And that's something that came out of their performances in the first season. It's not something the Duffer Brothers had planned on. And so all these people that are expected to write this, you know, trilogy story arc, mm -hmm. if you had done that, that probably wouldn't have happened because it would all have been pre-planned like 
you know, maybe a Babylon 5 kind of scenario or Battlestar Galactica kind of scenario. Well, in this instance, you know, since they just did the first season and weren't planning on having a second, they could write the second and learn from what took place in the first. Well, I think after it started airing, it was very clear there was going to be a season two. And it was very clear by the last episode that there was going to be a season two. Yeah, they definitely left themselves open for the sequel. And so I appreciate that they took something that people responded to and adapted it Mm -hmm. into the next series. I don't know because I don't, I didn't watch all of season one. Do they talk about Hopper's dead daughter? Uh, Briefly. It's been a while since I've seen the first season. But it is mentioned. Yes. I think that's why he has a bit of a drinking problem to start. Well, no, that's, and then see, that's justification for all of his bad behavior. I totally get that. Estranged from his wife. And and so he's so overprotective of Eleven for this reason. Mm -hmm. And when she finds out that he had a daughter who died, she starts to understand. I thought it was so much fun. Oh, yeah. You gave some of the worst advice ever. (laughs) It's not bad advice unless you're dealing with an alternate dimension shadow monster, which Uh, Bob didn't know about at the time. A mind flare. It's like, no, you just stop and confront it. It's like, well, oops. And a lot of people, they were kind of on the fence whether he was a bad or good guy, which I could see. He thought he was a good guy. Is it kind of an orphan black scenario where he's there to watch the family. Yeah, I didn't think that at all. I yep. I was completely convinced by his affection for Joyce. He really actually wanted to be a part of that family. Yes. And I I love Bob. Sean Aston, I love you, man. Mm. You're the best. Bob was the best because no matter what happened, he just kept taking it all in stride. He didn't stop to think about it too much. He's like, okay, this is happening. It's obvious this is happening. This is happening right in front of me and I'm going to do what I can to help. And that was Bob. That's why he was a superhero. Other people would just go to pieces. Other people would deny what they're experiencing or seeing or what have you and just run away or whatever else, become argumentative, etc. Not Bob. No. Nope. Bob is like, let's get this shit done. Well, he had affections for her in high school, you know, growing up. And yeah. So I was like, oh, I'm out with, you know, this person that was my childhood crush. So it's like he's living the dream. You know, he's an, a mature adult, so oh, yeah. he knows it's not a, just about the crush he yeah. had in high school. But still, it's the nerd landing the hot chick, you know? Mm-hmm. So, that's yeah. pretty cool. New characters, I like Max. that she was yes. a badass. I liked Max as well, and that's a fine little actress they have there. I struggled with her brother because that relationship, I think they could have got to the crux of that sooner. I Absolutely. thought they milked it for way too long. It's like, okay, you're... Leading on with this mystery of what the relationship is and why, you know, why is he so abusive? What's his deal? Like, get to that sooner. Mm-hmm. So I could have done with that just yeah. a little sooner. It's okay with me. When you find out why he's the way he is, you understand. Yeah, it makes sense. But at the same time, you obviously, you don't sympathize because he's old enough to choose his behavior. Yeah. And he's old enough to choose not to protect, perpetuate that behavior. And yeah. Max is his stepsister. They are related by marriage of his parents, mm-hmm. of his and her parents yep. only. Yeah, because his father is the abusive one in the family. And he's taking that mm-hmm. and bringing that down onto her. Because he wants to feel power. Yep. And it's just like, dude, you're becoming the thing you hate. Mm-hmm. But he doesn't have the uh, wherewithal to understand that. But anyway, I was just like, I, I kept feeling like this guy was familiar to me. And then I finally just looked him up on IMDb. And I'm like, oh, my God, are you kidding me? This is the same guy that was in Power Rangers? <laughs> Fuck, he's really good. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, his performance is spot on. I don't think there's really a bad performance in the show. No. Oh, Steve. Steve. You kind of struggled with Steve at first, but once he becomes the babysitter. That was a brilliant move on mm-hmm. the part of the writers, is to take Steve, take everything away from Steve. Yeah. Everything that makes Steve, Steve, and see who he really is. And as it turns out, Steve's a good guy. Yeah. If you take away the mm -hmm. girlfriend, if you take away the popularity, if you take away the sports, you take away all those things, and Steve's a decent person under all that. So, way to go, babysitter Steve. Uh With your nail bat. Yep. Way to go. He usually gets knocked in the head during one of the seasons. Yeah, well, he got... beat up. He got really beat up. Yep. (laughs) By Max's brother, whose name I can't remember. Yep. Paul Reiser. Paul Reiser, expecting him to be a bad guy. Of course, everybody was, and so that was a nice misdirect. And then the whole Aliens reference was mm, fun. That was. With the motion detectors and the demi dogs. That brought me joy. Because that was, yes, that actually was an 80s reference, but it was after the events of Stranger Things, too. So Yeah, it was, so it like predated it. Yeah, so yeah. it was just, it was something for people like us who just went, oh, mm-hmm. oh, I know what you're doing there. And the Ghostbusters outfits. That actually I did not have a problem with, even though I detest that version of Ghostbusters mm-hmm. because I don't like uh, psychopaths. Yeah, um, I did like their discussion about having two Venkmans. Why do I have to be the Ernie Hudson character? Because I'm whack? <laughs> yeah. They didn't, I don't think they quite got to that, but yeah, you could tell they were dancing around that issue. I don't know why everybody didn't want to be Spangler. Spangler's the best. Yeah, Egon Spangler is the best. That's We got this. Mm-hmm. Confirms. Best. Best Ghostbusters. Ghostbusters. Egon. Egon Spangler. Yeah. That's the one that was always my favorite. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's it was. A, what are your personal interests? Oh, collecting various spores and fungi. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I enjoyed this season and it scared me. And I like being scared in that way. Yeah, the Mind Flayer is frightening. Yes. Very much so. I just enjoyed it, and I'm looking forward to season three. And we watched um, an episode of the after show. I didn't know Jim Rash was hosting it, so that brought me joy. Yeah, it was fun. And and they had Millie Bobby Brown and God, the guy that plays Mike. Yeah. His name I can never remember on as well as well as the Duffer Brothers, and it was just fun. It mm-hmm. was just fun. Yeah, about the whole kiss scenario, the yeah. snowball. I'm coming in. <laughs> I'm coming in. You can even in. see him, his <laughs> lips move as he's saying it. It's like, that's the best take we could get. Yeah, just warning her. Just come right in. Good show. Good so show. yeah, we enjoyed it. Um, some people struggled with the Chicago stuff. I didn't. I thought it showed what Eleven's alternate path could have been. Mm-hmm. Exactly. If she had just given in to revenge. Yeah. And luckily, she had the friends that she had made, and she had Hopper Mm -hmm. and her thoughts of them and what she was taught by them to show her this is not the way to do things. And I didn't catch it while watching it the first time, but listening to the podcast, it was an X-Men reference. Even the the butterfly from, you know, the telepathic character. Mm -hmm. You know, this blue butterfly. It's like, oh, that's a Psylocke reference. So there's eight Psylocke. Yeah. (laughs) And Eleven's kind of got this Jean Grey thing going on. You know, being a telekinetic. Yeah. And I guess even her sealing the the gate between the... uh, Two dimensions. The upside down. Yeah. And her small town. I still say that the upside down is dead on alternate Silent Hill. And I don't have a problem with that. Because alternate Silent Hill is fucked up. And I like that. 
and I like the upside down for that reason. I don't want to live in the upside down. That's not what I'm saying. I'm just saying that I appreciate their portrayal of this dimension. Yeah, it's like the chaotic, evil version of their town and everything's decayed. Well, that's alternate Silent Hill. Mm-hmm. And blood. Yeah. A lot of bloody Silent Hill. Yeah, a lot of rot. A lot of things where you're like, what the fuck is that? Mm-hmm. So I say that a lot when replaying Silent Hill. I don't do that as much anymore because the controls are fucked. It's the yeah. counterintuitive up direct up direction on your stick is always forward no matter what direction the character's oh yeah i hate that yeah it is so counterintuitive so yeah Yeah, it's like early resident evil games were similar to that oh yeah they were exactly like that actually which makes them very hard to play as well so guys uh in video games development when you remaster things like this um fix the fucking controls exactly okay make it playable again thanks Bye. bye okay next uh oh Got my list. You want to continue with some Netflix stuff, or do you got something else? Uh, yeah, know? no, we're talking about The Punisher. Okay, Punisher. Uh, was a nice surprise because when they finally determined, yeah, there's going to be a Punisher series, it's like, woohoo! Yeah, because they said there's going to be a Punisher series. Then they said, there's not going to be a Punisher series. Here's Punisher in season two of Daredevil. And then they said, okay, we're going to do a Punisher series. It's very good. It's super grounded. It's super violent. It's, yeah, super violent. I know a lot of people have complained about the frequent flashbacks. And oh, I did a post no. on Facebook regarding this. Is it humanizes the character. You have to be reminded why he's doing it. You have to be reminded that he had a loving family that he was devoted to and struggled to be a loving husband and father against this kind of violent perfect soldier, you know, other life, you know, he's walking a tightrope between them, and he's still clinging to that, you know, he does not go off the edge and just become a monster, you know, he who wants monsters must be aware of becoming a monster himself scenario. And so, if without the flashbacks, he becomes like a Freddy, or a Michael Myers, or a Jason, you know, he's just a monster that goes around killing people. Yeah. And you need to ground and humanize the character. Otherwise, you lose his humanity. I agree completely with that because it also shows us the kind of man that Frank really is. I think that was the thing about his wife and family is that's who Frank really is on the inside. And to have that taken from him, that would drive anyone over the edge. Yeah. And yes, he did kill a bunch of people. They were all bad. (laughs) (laughs) Just like that line in True Lies. You ever killed anyone? Yes, but they were all bad. They were all bad. (laughs) So, yeah. So, to me, that was fine. I didn't have a problem with any of the flashbacks. Wow, did they ever shine a light on PTSD. Oh, heck yeah, in multiple forms. Mm-hmm. And just the veteran experience. And even the fake troop supporter. Mm-hmm. You know, the NRA guy that's telling these stories of his time in Vietnam when he never went. Yeah, he's telling other people's stories. And then what a coward he ended up being. When it comes right down to it, he's only out for himself. Yeah. Gets him killed. And it was a good kind of wraparound, kind of the the pin just holding the story together was this veteran support group. Mm-hmm. And how Frank would kind of hang around but not ever join in. You yeah. know, just come in after, have some coffee and talk to his friend. He'd stand outside and listen. Yeah. But then to have the final episode, the final scene, be him telling his story and saying, yeah, I'm scared, you know. Well, those are the, it too. 
What people don't seem to understand is that being brave does not mean you're fearless. Exactly. It's being brave is doing something even though you're afraid because it needs to be done and it's the right thing to do. That's courage. That's bravery. Realize this, people. Come on. (laughs) Yeah, Aristotle had his golden mean, which is just that wisdom, wise action, takes place between two extremes. And it's very similar to like the Buddhist middle road, is that with bravery, bravery exists between cowardice and recklessness. You know, cowardice is being afraid and doing nothing. Recklessness is having no fear and going in without any kind of judgment. Mm-hmm. Bravery is being afraid and proceeding with caution. Yeah. You know, that's that's being brave, is like accepting that, yeah, something can happen and going forward and doing something about it with, with judgment and wisdom. Yep. Also, for the love of God, will someone please let Ben Barnes play a good guy? Nope, his eyes are too dark. No! <laughs> That is not true. His eyes are almost black. So are Frank's. Yeah, I guess that's true. Come on, man. Let that guy have a break. I would really like to know what he actually sounds like because he is British. Oh, nice. So I have never heard him speak with his real voice because, of course, he was Hmm. an asshole in Westworld and now he's... Oh, oh! Spoilers! Now he's an asshole. Oh, he was clearly an asshole from the start in yeah, Westworld. Yeah, but, but then he, but in Punisher, it was a little more ambiguous. Oh, okay. Oh, I, I thought you were saying spoilers for Westworld. Not spoilers. No, for spoilers for Punisher. Well, with the when he's the head of Anvil, which is great because I love that Marvel Universe has a ham, hammer and an anvil and a sword and a shield. Yep. He's got the slick back hair. He's got the suit. He's a moneyed, you know, former soldier. And so you're just going, okay, there's something off about that character. Yeah. Well, and I just I just feel bad because I think he's a good actor. Oh, yeah. And I think that he got to explore different facets of a character. Mm-hmm. Because basically the character he played in Westworld was just an asshole up and down and oh, both yeah. ways. I mean, it just, there was no, there was nothing else to him. Yeah, he was like an investment banker, you know. He's like some stockbroker guy. And it was yeah. just clearly, you know, the strong bro thing. Yeah, and there was nothing else to explore in that character. Yeah, that but was with Billy, good. he got to go into different places. Mm-hmm. And I just wish that somebody would let Ben Barnes be a good guy. Yeah, struggle with his, uh, his I guess, drug-addicted mother. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't call or her drug addicted. Uh, she, I don't know. I don't know what she, what his deal was, or why she gave him up. But yeah. basically, he was torturing her. Yeah, she was in this care center. He'd come in every once in a while and just uh, abuse her. Yeah, verbally, verbally, and then give her opioids mm-hmm. if she got too uppity. Yep, she was always strapped down. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's that's torture. He's getting back at her for abandoning him. Mm-hmm. Despite the fact that he's the person who he is because of that, and he doesn't understand that part. It's a good counter to Frank, now that you bring that up, is it's somebody who didn't have a family mm-hmm. versus somebody who did and had it taken away from him. Yep. And that Frank and Bill were good friends, and even Frank invited him into his family, and yet Bill seems to have rejected that later on. You know, yeah. In some way helped take that away from Frank. Yes, yes he did. And he got his. Um, <laughs> yeah. Let's talk about Madani for a minute. Because, I was about to. Because she's an interesting character. Uh, I will say this. I don't like her. And I'm not saying that's a bad thing. Right. I'm not saying I don't want the character to be in the show. I'm saying I don't like her. I understand her motivations and stuff, but I don't really actually like the character. And that is fine. She's a dog with a bone. Yeah. 
She is a dog with a bone, and she just will not let that bone go, no matter what. And it shows, again, it's a counter to Frank and his obsession. Mm -hmm. That Frank wants everyone responsible for his family being taken away from him. He wants them all dead, and he wants to be the one doing it. doesn't want anybody to be arrested Mm -hmm. or anything like that. And Madani wants to work through the law, but Mm -hmm. sometimes that's not possible. Yeah. Sometimes you can't stop people with the law. I think because of that, Frank didn't go over the edge into becoming a complete monster by killing Billy. Right. He left him alive, which is much worse. I think I heard from somewhere there's a character in the Punisher universe called Jigsaw that Mm. has a cut up face. I'll bet you that's probably him. him. Because, yeah, they reference him in. hospital and there's doubts whether he'll recover his memories or not it's like if he does he's going to be resentful he's going to have this startup face he's going to be a punisher villain again yeah i do feel bad for billy because i feel like he never understood himself truly he thought he did he thought he had everything he wanted Mm -hmm. and he was going to fight to keep it and i'm like what you what you have is unimportant It's all about who you are, and you're not a good person when it comes right down to it. Yeah, he tried to build himself into this wealthy, empowered person, but what he needed was what Frank had, which was a loving family. He needed balance. Uh He needed balance. That's something he never sought for himself. He went from woman to woman, from bed to bed. Yeah. This whole thing goes so much deeper than just a revenge story. Yeah, it's it's a character study. It's really good. It's probably, no, not probably. In my opinion, it's the best Marvel Netflix series so far. Yeah, I really like Jessica Jones. Oh, I do too. Don't get me wrong. It it also explores really difficult things. Yeah, it's sexual assault, surviving. Yeah, I love that one too. It is hard on me. Yeah, that one's tough. It's a hard rewatch. Punisher, Punisher was hard on me, too. There too. were there were actually times where I had to look away from the screen, and that's unusual for me. Well, it is pretty gory, especially when it comes to surgery-type issues. It's yeah. Like pulling a bit of wall out of your arm but or, man. or an arrow through the other side of your body. Yeah. But, man, what a great series. John Bernthal knocking it out of the park. I didn't even talk about Micro. Oh, Micro. Oh, my God, David. That guy, also a great actor. Everybody in this was a great actor. Yeah, he often plays that kind of role, the the techie. Yeah, but he it, it was more than that. He was mm-hmm. more than just a techie. Yeah. And his motivations and letting his family think he was dead to protect them and just, oh. And showing how well Punisher can work with the handler as long as they work together. As uh, often Frank would go off and do his own thing. Yeah, but when, but in the end, man, they were solid bros. Uh huh. They were solid bros, and it's two more different people you're never gonna see. But they're forever bros now. It was just, oh, it was so good. I want more of this, please. More of this. So that's Punisher. Right. Um, Next up, Justice League. Okay. (laughs) Take it away, because I haven't seen it. I'm going to explain. When I took my mom to see Thor Ragnarok, there was a trailer, which was admittedly better than the first trailer, for Justice League. My mom previously had no interest in Justice League until she saw Henry Cavill. Aha! All of a sudden, she wants to see Justice League. I'm like, okay, mom, I will take you, because, you know, I can get luxury seats and we'll have a good time, and all of those things. So I got luxury seats for the Tuesday after it opened. $5 at the Megaplex. Woot. My mom ended up not being able to go. She wasn't feeling well, so I went by myself. But before that, I thought, okay, I'm going to fucking finish 
Batman v Superman so that I at least have some more context for this film. And oh my God, was that a hate watch? <laughs> oh Jesus. Oh God. Oh, it's terrible. I'm sorry, people who like it. I'm glad you like it, but it was awful. I mean, the whole plot is so contrived <laughs> and so implausible. So Lex Luthor kidnapped your mom. He's giving you an hour to go kill Batman and bring him the head of Batman. Don't you have super speed and super hearing and x-ray vision? Can you not find your mom in an hour? So the whole reason for them to fight was completely ridiculous. Yeah. I was also mortified to uh, find that a Doomsday was naked. So I do not need to see that. <laughs> Granted, they didn't give him a penis, but it that, that was actually somehow worse. Yeah, he's like an action figure without his clothes on. Yeah, and it's like, ew, just no. Because basically they made him from the body of Zod and Lex Luthor's blood. Don't even get me started on that shit. Well, especially since Lex Luthor is anti-alien, why would he create one? Exactly. That makes it's no shit. sense. It's just bullshit. I did enjoy uh, the nuclear detonations leveling up Doomsday. It's like, yeah, let's fire a nuclear weapon at it, despite we know absolutely <laughs> nothing about it. Nuclear weapons will surely kill it. Oh, wait, no, it just made it more powerful. Yeah, it's like the Hulk. You damage him, he gets stronger. The only non-disgust-related emotional reaction that I had was the death of Superman and the subsequent funeral. That coincided with the <laughs> death of Clark Kent? Yeah, nobody <laughs> made that connection, really. Which is really crazy when in Justice League. Yeah. It's like, oh, they're both back again. Hmm. Nobody's looking into that? That was so weird at the end when they show Miss Clark Kent again. I'm like, now wait a fucking minute. Okay, so Superman died. We had a funeral. Clark Kent died. We had a funeral. Superman's back. Clark Kent's back. Hmm. Yeah, well, the thing is, Clark Kent's funeral was admittedly not as big. That was another thing that really bothered me, was the whole dead-end plot of blowing up that house at the cat or house, that room at the Capitol where they were having hearings about Superman using his powers responsibly and all that shit. Ugh, so fucking <laughs> stupid! All, all of this contrived shit just to get Superman here where he'd be the only person who survived, and now everybody hates Superman. Burn him, they're saying, and, oh. you know, hanging effigies of him and all of that shit. But the minute he's dead, oh, they're having this massive state's funeral, and I'm just like, fuck this. Fuck you. Fuck you all. Pick a side. What, what is your script saying? Is your script saying people hate Superman? Is your script saying people love Superman? Pick a side. You can't mm -hmm. have both. Yeah, and I know that the public are fickle in their opinions, but good God. Jesse Eisenberg is unbearable as Lex Luthor. Mm -hmm. Unbearable. I just, ugh. I had to actually do something else while I was watching this film. So I was working on crochet projects for Christmas while I was watching this. And I'm grateful for that because without that distraction, I probably wouldn't have gotten through it again. I probably, every time something happened that I just went, oh, are you fucking kidding? I would have just turned it off. Mm -hmm. But I finally got through it. The whole, um, oh, let's ha let's look at these files. They have some interesting logos on them. Oh, wow. Apparently Lex Luthor created the Wonder Woman logo and yep. the Flash logo and yep. the Aquaman logo yep. and the Cyborg logo. Yep. Fuck you. <laughs> so we're just going to have little videos of everybody. That's how we're going to introduce everybody else. Really? Yeah, that's, that's insulting. The problem with the DC Universe films is the exposition. Everybody tells their story. And apparently that's really bad in the Justice League film. Mm -hmm. Anybody shows up, they tell their backstory. 
And I'll talk about that now because I got through that so I could tell you this. (laughs) So, okay, here's the thing about Justice League. It isn't the worst movie I ever saw, but I didn't like it either. Mm -hmm. Basically, my one-line review ended being Justice League. It stays with you whether you want it to or not. (laughs) So It's like irreversible. The villain, boring as fuck. Mm. He's uh, he's supposedly this all-powerful harbinger of dark side named Steppenwolf. And everybody just thinks of the 70s band. Uh-huh. Magic Carpet Ride. Well, Speaking that's where they carpets. took their name from. Yep. You know, it's an ancient story. But yep. in any case, Steppenwolf, his powers are too impressive. They're too... Oh, he's too powerful. He's just too powerful. And you don't make your minion that powerful. You make dark side that powerful right you don't do that with your minion right because that's what steppenwolf is and he had tried to um subdue the earth for dark side uh-huh. well in the past and the atlanteans the amazons and the armies of man all joined together and defeated him which is the first time he'd ever been defeated so now he's got a grudge and so now there are these three mother boxes that were scattered by the three groups that fought together so that they would keep them apart because <laughs> when they come together Oh, here comes Dark Side. Um, that sounds very Lord of the Rings. What would have been so much more interesting is Steppenwolf showing up, getting the mother boxes, boom, Dark Side's there. Yeah. That would have been a movie. That would have been a villain. Yeah. But that's not what we got. We got a movie of them trying to prevent the boxes coming together. Oh, that's exciting. And one of the boxes is Cyborg. Yeah, one of the boxes created Cyborg. Yeah. So. That's fun. I act, people were saying that they didn't really like uh, Cyborg or Ray Fisher's portrayal, and I just disagree. I yeah, thought it I, was really well done. I haven't heard the opposite. I heard that Momoa's Aquaman's great, and Cyborg was great, and The Flash was fun, and it, the new characters was where the fun was. And there were some humorous moments, some of which felt flat. Yeah. And some of which were great. But there was a lot of awkwardness where it's like, yeah, I'm sure you guys thought that was funny, but not really. A lot of people have complained about the visual effect of Steppenwolf because it's completely, I keep saying Wolf. Wolf. He's, he's Steppenwolf. Um, Steppenwolf. Because he's a completely CG character, but voiced by the uh, indomitable Kieran Hines. Mm. And so that was great. That didn't bother me. I'm just like, yeah, so he's a CG character. Big yeah. Wolf. Uh, I don't care about the appearance of the character. I care about whether or not the character's interesting. And he was not. Mm -hmm. Loved Wonder Woman's uh, introductory scene. That was really great. As in introduced to the movie, not to the world. But really enjoyed that. I'm not going to talk about it because I think eventually you should see it. If not only, if if only for Gal Gadot and for Ezra Miller and Ray Fisher and Jason Momoa. Mm Mm-hmm. Superman gets resurrected with this basically the same technique minus the Lex Luthor blood because how convenient that this Kryptonian ship is still functioning and it's very good that they have Cyborg there. They wouldn't have been able to get the ship to do what they wanted. Uh Anyway, then let's go fight Steppenwolf and Superman wasn't going to fight. He was kind of bad Superman when he woke up. (laughs) And I can't say as I blame him that you don't want me to live and you won't let me rest. (laughs) Yes. It's just like... Like, oh, shouldn't have done this. And Batman was the one who was spearheading that guilt, maybe? Mm, Definitely. That's actually very obvious. I did enjoy Cyborg taking control of Batman's uh, big vehicle, transport vehicle. 
It was basically like like a big legged crawler that could oh. crawl up walls and stuff like that if necessary. <laughs> and, Sounds uh, like the Wild Wild West. Yeah, sort of like that. Actually, he he took over and he's like, "Thanks, Alfred. I'll take it from here." He's like, "I'm I'm sorry. Do I know you?" And <laughs> <laughs> so there were fun little little uh, little moments, little moments like that. But that was probably the, weedonisms that were thrown in. It, it's possible. I don't really know. All Depends I know what's is in the script and what wasn't. Uh, all that I know, all I know is, is that most of the time Henry Cavill's face looked not quite right. Oh, they had to CG out the uh, mustache. <laughs> yeah, well, they had to CG it out, and then they had to rebuild his upper lip. Uh-huh. There were times where we were just like, oh, not quite right. On a smaller screen, is probably fine, but on a larger screen, is really obvious. And yeah. now, for the first time, we have mid and after credit scenes. So, uh, and people were really pissed off about that, and I'm like, guys, I don't know why you didn't expect this sooner. <laughs> because all they're trying to do is compete with Marvel, and they're sacrificing quality to do it. Somebody on Twitter posted, what if DC had followed the Marvel yes. formula and listed the films? Yes, that they should have like, done. And holy crap, that would have been awesome. Yeah, if they had had Wonder Woman, Batman, Aquaman, mm-hmm. Wonder Woman 2, yeah. then done Justice League. Yeah, it was very similar to that, <laughs> but it was all the films that they've done but just rearranged where you'd introduce them, build up the backstory of that Mm. character, and then you could do a film with all of them in like a Justice League. Yeah, and that's the thing. Half the movie is exposition of these three new characters. Mm. I thought that they were well cast. The Flash was a little too young for me, a Mm. little too immature, and so it didn't quite work for me. But I'm sorry, Grant Gustin's always going to be my Barry Allen. Yeah. He's always going to be the standard by which I judge all other Flashes. Oh, and I understand so. that during the first battle against whatever Steppenwolf, that Steppenwolf. they had the Lantern Corps there. In the very, very first battle. Yeah. Like back when it was like the Age every, of Heroes. Yeah. yeah. Back when the armies of Earth and Atlantis, before it was banished to the sea and right. uh, the Amazons. There was, the Green Lantern was there. Cool. So. Been long enough you can reintroduce the character. I mean, yeah, that yeah. was a misstep in the DC universe, but is it any worse? I mean, is, is the Green Lantern film any worse than any of these other films? Yeah. And Batman actually, versus Superman, or. Actually, no, I don't think anything's worse than Batman versus Superman. Yeah, so it's, it's like Green Lantern has such the stain on it, but really comparatively, it's not much worse than anything else no. other than Wonder Woman that's been released by DC. I just don't think they got the character right. Yeah, the yeah, it was it was a troubled film. It had multiple personalities. Yeah. That's for sure. That was part of his problem. Too many plots. Too many plots in Green Lantern. Focus yeah. on one story, deal with it. I thought they should have done like a police academy thing, but just have <laughs> a human with a bunch of alien police and him being a fish out of water. That could be a very interesting film and funny. Yeah. Just do Green Lantern Corps to start and then send Hal off on his own adventures. Yeah. But let's be honest, everybody wants John Stewart, mm. Green Lantern. But the long and short of it is, uh, Soup comes in to save the day. There was one moment that made me laugh out loud, and I am almost 100% convinced it was the Joss Whedon moment. Ah. Because Flash and Soup go out to save all of the uh, innocent people in this village in the middle of Russia, <laughs> near Chernobyl. Um, where Steppenwolf, <laughs> inside of every actor that had a meltdown, is putting the mother boxes together to summon Darkseid. This village is basically being taken over by, oh, the, the flying zombies. That, I didn't talk about the flying zombies. That's fine. 
The Flash, you know, is basically getting out people out of the way really, really fast. He saves this one family, which is a family that we've seen intermittently since uh, Steppenwolf came into the reactor and weird shit started to happen. So he gets them to safety because their truck had given out, overheated. He's feeling really good about himself. You know, he saved these parents and these two kids and he turns around and their soup flying by with an entire apartment complex. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and that, I laughed out loud. <laughs> Uh, that always kills me in comic books when uh, one of these super strong characters lifts like an entire building. Like, is that even structurally sound? Well, <laughs> when yeah. it all fall apart as soon as you, like, I mean, it'd be like having a massive earthquake underneath it. If you pick it up from the foundation. Yeah, but you're, yeah, that's weird. Anyway. Because I've heard theories that it creates, like, a field around the thing you're picking up, and that's why it doesn't fall apart. Yeah. But I guess that depends on the hero. I don't really care. Yeah. Uh, it's superheroes. I don't have to have that uh, explained to me. <laughs> Level of physics? Yeah, I don't care. <laughs> Newtonian physics? Justice League, the actual villain was kind of boring. It had some moments, though. It had moments. I still didn't like it. Yes. And it's not something I'm going to buy or anything like that. I probably will eventually have to take my mother to see it. Yeah. I just... Um, Which means having to see it again. Yeah. Boo. That's okay. The downside is no more luxury seating because the smaller theaters don't have that. Which right. is dumb. Put luxury seating as options on all of your theaters mm-hmm. inside the Megaplex. Uh, oh, and one other thing that really annoyed me about Batman v Superman was the end after Superman dies and Martha comes in and she hands Lois the padded envelope and she says, Clark had this sent here because he wanted to surprise you and she opens the envelope and there's a little pouch in it and she opens the pouch and there's an engagement ring. I'm sorry, Superman can fly home and visit his mom whenever the fuck he wants and he sends that through the mail? He's single-handedly keeping the USPS afloat. He mails everything. No, he does not. You don't mail an (laughs) engagement ring. (laughs) Jesus. It's just like, that was just convenience. Why did you do that? Why didn't you say Clark left this here? That is, it's all screenwriting. The DC movies struggle with the screenwriting. The stories are cobbled together. They're plot conveniences, ignoring the superpowers when convenient, mm. and then bringing them in when convenient. Yeah. It's whatever to get whatever on film. Yeah. Without any real direction. Like, just start with character. What is the heart of the character? And let everything flow from that. So what is Superman? Mm-hmm. What is his personality? And let that inform your story. Same with Batman. Yeah. You don't just cobble together a what happens, like just toys in a sandbox. Like, no, what what is the character's desires? What's their wants? What's their intentions? And then right from there. Uh, it was too soon to put all these people together yeah. because you had to spend half the movie explaining them. In exposition, not even showing what happened. It's like, oh, this is me and this is what happened. I got hit by a lightning bolt and I became super fast. Yeah, they don't even go with that. So because there's actually this moment where um, they're digging Clark up. It's, of course, Barry and Victor, who is Cyborg, doing it. Cyborg's like, so, yeah, hit by lightning. He's like, that's the short version. Mm-hmm. So, you know, there's more to it than that. And the, and then Victor's talking about how, yeah, we're the, we're the two accidents. We were never meant to be these things. And so they're talking, and then and Barry's like, yeah, fist bump. <laughs> and Victor just looks like, all right, not there yet, not there yet. Okay. I have to say, Jason Momoa, I knew he was perfect casting for Aquaman. I really enjoyed the underwater stuff. There was far too little of it. Ah. 
and uh, I could go my whole life with him just running around in pants and a no shirt mm. underwater. Throwing a harpoon around? Yeah. Did he ever use a harpoon to spray people with water? No. Oh, bum. That's one of the funnest things that he can do. Is it point that trident and just shoot a jet stream of water at somebody? One of the actual funny moments was before they are going to battle with Steppenwolf, and they know Soup's not going to help him. Uh huh. Well, Arthur is his true name. Aquaman is saying all this stuff like, "Yeah, we're we're probably going to die. You know, we we pretty much have no chance against this guy, and you know, but it's an honorable death. I don't want to die. I got shit I want to do." It's <laughs> just going on and on, and they're all just staring at him, and he looks down, and the last one of Hestia is around. <laughs> and he's like, come on! <laughs> that was amusing. <laughs> I found that to be funny. Yeah. But overall, uh, I can't recommend it. I It's not as bad as other DC movies, but I just, I don't enjoy the DC cinematic universe. I love the TV shows. They're doing way more interesting things. Yeah. Well, even going back to Nolan's Batman, you pick up on how much of a fan of Michael Mann he is and how little roles there are for women. Mm-hmm. That Rachel Dawes in both Batman Begins and was the Dark Knight, she's sleeping with her boss. Mm-hmm. You pick up on things like that and how what uh, the Dark Knight is overly long. I think there's maybe one or two too many of the cat and mouse games that the Joker plays with the Batman. Mm-hmm. Like You could lose one or two of those and make a nice tight, concise story. And we won't even go into The Dark Knight Rises because that's when it all started to go really horribly wrong for me. Well, yeah. As soon as Ledger died and so the Joker was removed out of the third film and so it required a complete rewrite and I think that's when it lost the plot. And Batman wasn't Batman. He was playing catch-up. The world's greatest detective was like five pages behind everybody else. Uh It just doesn't work. Nope, it doesn't. I only saw it once in the theater, and I have never seen it since, and I nope. don't care to. I Just liked like I Catwoman went... in it, and that was yeah. about it. Uh, well, I liked my Steelers in it, pretending to be oh, yeah. the Gotham football team. Yeah. So that gave me joy. Just like Batman v Superman is something I'm never going to watch again. Nope, no reason to. I know there are many diehard fans who really love it, and they're upset that people don't love it. Well, you know what? People have different opinions. I don't hate it because, I mean, I don't hate it, but, I mean, I hated Batman v Superman, mm-hmm. but I didn't hate Justice League. My feelings about it are not based on Marvel versus DC. It is no, based, on based on storytelling, character development, and mm-hmm. whether or not it was enjoyable. Does and this work as a film? Yeah. That's what I'm basing it on. As of right now, the DC Cinematic Universe doesn't really hold much interest for me, except for Wonder Woman. Because, yeah, we watch the DC television series enjoy the hell out of it. So it's not yeah. a DC versus Marvel thing, per no, se. No, it's not that. It's about the way that they're doing the storytelling. Mm-hmm. And I don't like it. I don't find it interesting. I don't have... There's nothing there for me to invest in. Right. There's nothing there for me to relate to. And one thing I've learned about movies and television is there has to be something you relate to. Otherwise, why are you watching it? Mm. Because, you know, shouldn't... It's it's a reflection of our lives, our values, our interests, etc. That's why not all things appeal to all people. Yeah, or you can still enjoy something that's a viewpoint that you don't particularly follow just to explore, you know, just to live in somebody else's skin for a little while. 
No, but I agree it with that. Still but, but has to be grounded. There's always something yeah. in those things that you can relate to, that you can connect with. Yeah. There's always something. That's it, connectivity. So unless there's something to connect to, yeah. it's not going to interest me. So DC Cinematic Universe, you've got some serious work to do. And that's the problem. It goes back to characterization. If the character isn't grounded, if it's not centered, if there's no root to the character tying them to anything, if they're dependent on the plot and what happens rather than the plot coming from what they do, there's nothing to relate to because there's no consistency in the character. Yeah, you have to let your characters write the story. Yep. You can't do it the other way around because that's not how stories work. Yeah, especially if they're just submissive to the story and their characterization changes to fit the plot. You have no character. Right, Superman going off to tear off Batman's head to save his mom. No, yeah. Superman would go around trying to find his mom. Because yeah. super fast, super hearing, super sight, super powers, come on! And even if he found a lead-lined room, you could assume that's the one she's in. Oh, no, this place was like a warehouse, it had windows and shit. Uh, so x-ray vision. Yeah. Boom. Exactly. There you go. Uh-huh. Duh. Yeah. Anyway. <laughs> Alright, you want to talk anything else, or are you done, you think? No, I am. I'm done. I'm sorry, guys, if you left Justice League. I'm sorry that my opinion doesn't match yours, but I don't begrudge you liking it, so... Uh, I think with a lot of the fans of the DC Cinematic Universe, many of them are fans of the comic, and they're preloaded with information that's not in the movies. And so they can fill in the blanks. But that's not how the movies should no, work. That's not how the television series mm -hmm. works. You shouldn't require outside information to enjoy the films. Yes, I agree with that completely. And that was actually a discussion they had on the most re recent Primitive Culture on Trek FM when they were talking about director's cuts because they were going to see the quote-unquote director's cut of Wrath of Khan, which uh -huh. isn't really a director's cut. Nope. It was just a few things added back in yeah. that didn't even make the movie that much longer. Talking about whether or not you should have to read a comic to understand why this movie was good. just And I think that the point that they made was with the 2009 Star Trek movie that introduced the Kelvin timeline, as they call it, mm -hmm. and how there were people, somebody was talking about, I can't remember who, he read the comics, which gave him more background on, and he understood where Nero was coming from and all this and this and this. You shouldn't have to read those comics to make the movie better. Right. Put it in the movie. Exactly. So that's what I have to say to you, DC Cinematic Universe. Stop relying on comic knowledge. Put it in the movie. Mm -hmm. Thank you. Oh, uh, one last thing, and this could have been in the news segment, is that a week from today, we're going to have our another Brave and Dandy show. Yes. At the Ogden Comedy Loft. Did you tell your mom yet? I have not a house to call her and tell her. Uh, it'll be at 9.30. It'll probably be, what, 20 to 30 minutes? Yep. Thereabouts. Only $5. Yeah, just our two-man comedy troupe, Brave and Dandy. Yeah, we have fun. Yeah, so, yeah, that'll be next week, Saturday, 9.30, $5. Comedy Loft. Upstairs from the Ziegfeld Theater. Yep. Uh, Dark Track? Dark Track. Dark Track. Dark Track. Dark Track. Dark Track. Okay, this Dark Track from Sayavia, who is an industrial rock electro-clash dark EDM band from Antwerp, 
in Belgium. The band took form in 2004 and was mainly focused on playing live. Later that year, they won the Studio Bruxelles demo poll with the Future of the Sun. In 2007, they teamed up with Len Lemire from Implant and 32 Crash fame. 32 Crashes uh, got some front two for two people in. Yeah. Uh, to record their first album, Creationism, 2008 saw the signing to Alpha Matrix record label and the release of a new album featuring and remixes. And uh, current members are Eves Shelpa, who's producer-composer, and frequently recurring members uh, like uh, Ben Van de Cruz. So, uh, Christoph de Klerk, Emily Nikolai. So, yeah, uh, Salvia is one of the bigger artists on that Alpha Matrix label whenever Alpha Matrix releases one of the promotional DJ download thing there's pretty much bound to be a Syavia track or two on there and yeah uh, really danceable dark EBM stuff bit of trance and I think you'll hear that in this song we're gonna play for you called Sweetheart Revenge which is kind of ties into that whole Punisher thing. Mm-hmm. Met a little Justice League stuff too, I suppose. And a little of our D&D experience as well. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Has some revenge plot in it. So we'll play you Sweetheart Revenge from Syavia and talk about it after. So here is Syavia.
So, <laughs> get up from a reclining position. I was relaxing. The word I have to describe that is crunchy. Crunchy is a That is word. a crunchy song. It's crunchy. Yeah, just kind of the static that's in the vocals and some of the electronics. And it's very squelchy bass line. Snap, crackle, pop. Yeah. Four on the floor beat that's not really any variety in the beat at all. So it's got that trance thing. Right? Mm-hmm. You could see in a action film or something when they go into that Baltic club, yeah. <laughs> underground club where, you know, they're all dancing mm-hmm. and sweaty and stuff. You could have that playing in the background. Yeah, it's it's a full-on dance floor type tune. Uh, even the, the lyrics are very repetitive. Yes. So, yeah, not a whole lot of variation in the song, but I think it's just because it's so driving and pulsing, it makes you move. Yeah. Uh, also, don't ever piss off a woman. Nope. <laughs> She'll make you crawl to relieve her pain. Yeah. She'll fuck you up. Yeah. Hunt you down, fuck you up, make you crawl. Yeah. <laughs> Very cool. Mm-hmm. Um, your thoughts or feelings, I should say. Your feelings. Well, I enjoyed it because I listened to the whole thing. I did think you would because of the redundancy in the song. No, I think that's why I liked it. Mm. It's because I just kind of zoned and it's like, yeah. Yeah, you like trance music. You've got I a do. kind of collection of the Goa trance stuff. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. And that's definitely got that vibe to it, you know, just that trance dance floor stuff where you can just zone out. Yeah, because sometimes I like things that will not interfere with my immediate conscious thought processes Mm -hmm. so that I can do something I can have that in the background and it's still affecting me but it's not at the forefront of everything I'm thinking right it's not telling a story no it's just stating an emotion an intent intention I guess yeah exactly and just hammering that home yep yeah it could have been just somebody's sample for that regard and just been you know, one of those EDM tracks that just takes samples from a movie and plays them over and over again. Mm. I mean, it's not far removed from that. But I enjoyed it, too. I mean, otherwise I wouldn't have played it. And I thought it fit well with the things we talked about with, you know, revenge. Yeah. Revenge. Oh, no, wait. Revenge. 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 My tongue. Yeah, I can't do the, the German... Throat rolling R. Yeah, all guys are supposed to be able to yeah, do that. Yeah, that's tough. <sighs> yeah, hard for me to do that. Hello again, listeners. For those of you who don't remember us, because it's been a few weeks since we recorded, this is the Feminine Critique. It is. I am one of your hostesses, Emily, and with me is... The other hostess, Christine. Yay! She remembered her name and everything. Yep, I practiced. Makes sense. Scanners, to me, is kind of the more... um like the less emotional but playing with the same ideas kind of from this one in a way. Bless you. Bless you. That's how I felt Are you about allergic that. Allergic to scanners? I am. Don't talk about it. That's fine. I'll keep Michael Ironside all to myself. I like that movies. Yeah. That movies. What's that wrong movies with me is so good I'm a child. Uh, take as many people down with you as take possible. as many spaghetti shoot out your spaghetti tentacles and and you can't beat them. Spaghetti tentacle um, That's what I always say. Uh, and uh, on that note, we will say our goodbyes and um, give me that penmanship medal because I think I deserved it. I'm going to beat you with a shoe for it. <laughs> I had to beat him to death with his own shoe. I just had to end there. Good night, everybody. Uh, main topic. Main topic.
Okay, this we've had on the shelf for a long time. It's the audio from our previous Brave and Dandy. Probably the highlight of this is the Oompa Loompa break room scene. That one was a hoot. I think we were on the same page very early on in that. Oh, yes. And so that was very entertaining. And we had many compliments regarding that scene in particular afterwards. My weakest, I think, was Victorian England. I didn't know what the hell I was doing. But I thought that was fun. Yeah, I kind of just rolled with it, just stated a few things I knew about Victorian England at the time. Yeah. Just to kind of set the place. I don't do accents very well, and I guess I could have tried an English accent, but... Honey, let's be honest, you don't do accents at all. No, that's (laughs) not. I can do Russian. I can do German. This is true. This is true. There's there's certain ones I could do. I could do Hispanic if I wanted to be racist. Well, why is it not racist to do Russian and German? Because I'm white. Oh, okay. It'd be more like nationalist. Okay, that makes sense. <laughs> if you'd have to change the color of my skin, because I could probably do an Indian accent too, but that's super racist. Yeah, well, you know most people in Spain are white. Yeah, but I'm thinking like Mexican. Okay. Like, like East L.A. accent. Okay, then no. Let's not do not that. Not more like Antonio Banderas. Though I could probably get away with that, maybe. Let's just stop. Let's just stop there <laughs> and discover things about that another time. Yeah, so there's certain accents I can kind of do, but, you know, I don't have the ear for it. It's probably also why I can't sing. I'm sorry. I was just, I was thinking of a previous show when you were doing your Nazi and we were on the, oh. the blimp. <laughs> Your boots. I'm sorry. My boots. Oh yeah, when I was goose stepping to show off my fancy boots. Yeah. Oh my god, you were killing me. Yep. Uh, the dandy German. Anyway. The dandy German. <laughs> sorry. Join the Nazi party just because you like the clothing. Uh, yeah. So that one I thought was particularly weak for me. You are super strong because you can do the accent and you kind of pushed the narrative and helped me climb on board. It's like, oh, this is what we're doing. Okay. Yeah. Let's do this. Let's pine for other towns and get out of London. Yeah. Let's go north. And then you accidentally touch my knee and I go all... (gasps) Yeah, you go all quivery. Too forward. And that became the the game of the scene. Yeah. Is withholding our passions in a very English fashion, very Victorian fashion. Indeed. Not allowing our passions to express themselves publicly. So yeah, that one did pick up. It's not, you know, a bad scene per se. It's just, it was weak for me at the start. You helped throw a life raft out there to me and all. Hey, I got your back. Yeah, that's that's the thing with being a two-man and supporting each other. Is like one of us doesn't know what we're doing, the other can go, Oh, this is what we're doing. Um, what else was in this one? It's been a while since um, we did this. I'm thinking, I can't remember. Uh, was that the pizza party one? Yes, with where the you brought back Henry and, and Harriet. Is yes, that the name? Harriet. God, I'm amazed I remembered that. Yeah, the, the orphans that got to go out for pizza. I love you as Harry so much. Harry is. Or Henry, yeah, Henry, Henry, Harry, and Harriet would have been it, it fun. Was, it was Henry. Yeah. Sorry, I was thinking of Harriet and Henry at the same time. Yeah. And Harry. So no, I love you as Henry. You are so fun as a little kid. Precocious little kid. Yeah, with your pet rat. Talking about pizza yeah. rat. Uh, those are the three I remember. There's others, but yeah, I guess we could. That's the thing about improv is that it is very thin. So sometimes you just don't even remember what you did until somebody oh. else says, "Oh, remember that time when?" Oh, was this one with the bird nest where we were time travelers? 
I think that was the final scene. Yes, it was. Yeah, that was a weird one too, but I think we picked up on the bird nest thing and they made it still something we could do without being, you know, baby chickens or something, baby whatevers, which we could have done too, but it was fun to be, you know, time travelers in this giant bird nest Mm -hmm. awaiting our doom. Yes. So yeah, that's kind of a shakedown. There's probably some other scenes in there thrown in that we can't remember. (laughs) Yeah, that were good. And unlike something like Whose Line where they do a longer show and then edit out the ones that didn't do that well. <laughs> this is the full-on audio of all of it, as if you were there live. Yeah. Seeing it. Brave and Dandy, uncut. Pretty much. So this is the full show. Uh, we did quicker scenes, which is kind of our thing lately. I well, guess we, we could go back to doing longer scenes. Yeah, well, we were the first of three acts. We, we were. There was supposedly a sketch show, but they actually ended up doing long-form improv. It's like, this isn't sketch. This is long-form improv. Yeah. Sketch is written. Uh-huh. Um, yeah. So shall we just play it? Yep, play it. Okay, this is us uh, last month at the Comedy Law. Brave and Dandy Show. Uh, uh, opening up the night. Put your hands together. Give a nice, warm, loving welcome to Brave and Dandy. Woo, 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 we're coming, we're coming, we're on our way. We're getting there. Ah. It does the tech, and so, yeah. So, anyway. hi! Oh, yeah. Yeah. Hi! It's an interactive thing, you can say hi back. So, hi! Here we go! Perfect, so. So, we are Brave and Dandy. I am Brandy. I am Dave. He's Dave, and we're gonna do some long-form improv for you. If you don't know what that means, that means that what we are going to do is scene-based scenes for you, as in, uh, not we're not gonna play games like whose line it is, it, is it anyway. We're just gonna do more narrative thing. So uh, we are going to turn it over to Dave so that he can explain exactly how we're gonna do this. So we're gonna use chairs because we're improvisers over 40 and we like to sit. <laughs> so periodically we'll ask you for a location where these chairs may be. Since it's 11-11, how about where you would wish to go? Anyone? Anyone? The arches. The arches? Like the, uh, like the arches southern Utah? Nice. Nice. <laughs> nice, I like it. Okay. The arches. Well, that's an easy place to start. <sighs> Isn't it magnificent? Yes, yeah, pretty cool. You seem disappointed. I mean... Just think the, the the eons of of wind erosion that that carved that that fragile but magnificent piece of rock. It's it's magnificent. I mean, just think just if you apply yourself just a little bit over time, what you can achieve. Um, water isn't sentient. It's it's metaphor. You know, if 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 a non thinking thing can do that just imagine if you apply yourself as a as a person with a will you know will to power i think you're reading way more into this than there is it's just rock formations i mean they're beautiful they're beautiful they're stunning okay so it's like nothing i've ever seen with my own eyes um but that's that's it it's just a rock formation well, yeah, it's formed by erosion, wearing down of sedentary layers, sedimentary layers. Well, that's the amazing thing about it. I mean, look at the Grand Canyon, too. Yeah, you also very pretty. Carved by a tiny, tiny river. Mm-hmm. 
What do you want from me? I don't, a little bit of excitement, a little bit of wonder, a little bit of awe. <gasps> oh, now you're just now you're just putting it on. Oh. Okay, where would you like to go? What what interests you? I didn't say this wasn't interesting. I'm just I'm not like some pro proto man that just sees something like this and starts worshiping it as a god. Oh my god, are you calling me a Cro-Magnon? <laughs> I'm a Neanderthal to you. No, that is not what I said. Because I, I find something like that intriguing, interesting, compelling. That is not what I said. You are putting words in my mouth, and Tony, I hate when you do that. Elizabeth, I think you have aphantasia. I don't, I think you lack imagination. I don't lack imagination. If I closed your, if I had you close your eyes and I asked you to picture a child, what do you see? Close your eyes. Okay, okay. Picture a child. Um, what kind of child am I supposed to picture? No, just a child. Just a generic whatever child image appears in your brain. What is it? A little blonde-haired boy. What's he wearing? Uh, he's wearing a red t-shirt and... Uh, blue jeans, they're a little too short. So, Dennis the Menace. <laughs> okay, where are these chairs? Oh, and, and one thing, too, it doesn't have to necessarily be a geographical location. It could be a time period, it could be a film, it could be anywhere you'd like. We've done Inside the Human Body before, just so you know. Yeah. A chocolate factory. A chocolate factory. Willie kills one more child. They're shutting us down. You know, I'm really sick of putting on this orange makeup every day. I know. I'm breaking out. Have you seen my face? It's humiliating. And what's her other option? To be like a Christmas elf? Right. And why? Why can't we just have wigs? Why do we have to dye our hair green? I know. It's, it's starting to fall out. You know, orange dye is not, is not good for the hair. I mean, it's like toxic. What is it? It's going to be just like Mila Jovovich in The Fifth Element. We're oh going to lose our yes. hair. Uh, that movie, she was wearing a wig. <gasps> no, she does her own stunts. Most of them. Most of them. Most of them. Most of them. I mean, she wasn't as flexible when she did that movie as she was later well, on. she had, like, what, two kids? Yeah. Well, I mean, I don't blame her. I mean, no, 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 no. She was, like, 19 when she did Fifth Element, okay? And that language, it's an actual language. She I know. And the director had to create Co it. And communicated it. They wrote letters to each other yeah. in it. Isn't that odd? Yeah, yeah actually. It's a French, let me tell you. Weird. <sighs> Who do you think's next? Which kid? You think it's the TV kid? I think oh, it's the TV kid. God, I hope so. I want to God, punch, he's annoying. I want to punch that little brat in the throat. And you notice? All the kids are white. <laughs> what the hell's with Willie that all these tickets, all these golden tickets are supposed to be all across the world? Who wins? Bunch of white kids. Bunch of white kids. From England, really. Well, there's the German. Oh, yeah, like he's really German. We know that kid's putting on an accent. Well, the royal family's German, really. I mean, come on. Yeah, you know? it's true. Yeah, it's true. Yeah. You go back far enough. Yeah, well, not that far, really. The, yeah, the Windsors. <laughs> yeah. All German. Uh, so... You want to put it on a wager? I'm saying the TV kid. Okay. 
Well, you got that Vrokic salt chick. Why do you read my mind like that? That's so weird. How do you do that? I know. How Is you it this paint? Is it giving us a psychic connection? And you know, that chocolate river, that's not sanitary. No, no. it's not. <laughs> no. Unless I'm, you leave, if we don't heat that up to a certain temperature every day, it's not going to kill the bacteria. And you know what's going on at the bottom of that river. Yeah, if Disney doesn't let you get in the water, what do you think getting in that jacket does? Oh, Lord. <laughs> that kid who fell in. Yeah, the German. <sighs> Germans and French, I tell you. They're two countries. And who experiments on kids anyway, you know? What? Who experiments on kids? Oh. I mean, it's like it's like it's a test thing. It's like, let's bring in all these random kids and just have them taste all my experimental candy. Human testing. That's what level we're at now. Well, to be fair, these kids would probably volunteer. Yeah. I mean, they're not the sharpest knives in the drawer. Nor are their parents. That little blonde kid, all his grandparents sleep in the same bed. What? Where are these chairs? Gondola. Smart car. I, what was that one? A smart car. Victorian England, I heard. I also heard a gondola. Okay, I, gondola. The day my parents divorced. The day your parents... Victorian England. Victorian England? Victorian England? Okay. There's an awful lot of smoke in the air. Yes, everything's rather drab, isn't it? It's hideous. Now the other week the Thames caught on fire. That ain't right. I didn't know that water could burn. I know. And all the buildings are black. I want to go back to Southampton. Oh, yeah. I don't like this place at all. Uh, the rocky beach, stabbing your bare feet. How glorious. The salt air, the seagulls. You're making me long for it even more. I know. Trevor, don't torture me this way. Ah, uh, Southampton. How about we go north? Ooh. The unexplored highlands. Scotland? The moors. Oh, those craggy, craggy cliffsides. <laughs> Old Scottish ghosts. <gasps> haunted castles? Oh, yes. Haunted castles. Oh, Trevor. Oh, the ruins. I you. Uh, oh, sorry, too forward. <laughs> but I'm afraid I cannot stay long. Why? You must tell me, Trevor. You must. One day they'll find I've jumped ship. You've jumped ship? Yes. You're a deserter? Yes. This, this imperialism, I, I cannot stand it. Trevor? Yes, dear? It's all right. It doesn't matter. I don't care if you do. Uh, uh, does... Oh, do for it once again. <laughs> <laughs>
Okay, where are these chairs? A spy convention. A spy <laughs> convention? Like that. In the 1800s. <laughs> In the 1800s. <laughs> Let's just leave it at spy convention. <laughs> Something the matter with your chair? Well, no, not really. There's only so many places you can secret something, if you know what I mean. Oh. <laughs> uh, they were handing them out for free, you know, and I wanted to try one out. Oh, is it is it something that's full of drugs, or is there something nope. else? There's there's a cyanide pill, a needle and thread, a lock picking kit. What? A few other bits and bobs. I mean, you could roll up a map if you needed to. It's kind of a generic street map of the city we're in, but you know, who needs a who needs a map of Baltimore? Someone who's going to Baltimore, I guess. Which way did you um? Did you take it? Which way do you think? Well, I don't know. You might have swallowed it. Oh, that's one direction, I guess. Less direct. You know, you're not, you gotta act like you don't have something going oh, on. you try it. <laughs> oh. Dude, you are gonna walk out in public and everyone is gonna know what is going on. You know, if this keeps up, the spy business, it's it's no-go. They've gotta micronize these things or something. You just make them smaller. <laughs> so, you want someone to invent a shrink ray? Is that what you're saying? Imagine the possibilities. How would you, if you, Tesla? You think you could do that? What? <laughs> Why not? Uh, he's got that death ray. He does have that. And last I heard, he had this thing that could duplicate people. A clone? Yeah. I just argue with myself. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I probably wouldn't get along very well with myself anymore. So maybe it'd be nice to have somebody else take care of certain parts of the business. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because you got some business up in your business. I sure do. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, one more? <laughs> Ooh, we can do a couple more. Okay, cool. Um, Chuck E. Cheese's. Chuck E. Cheese's. Oh, yeah. All right, Chuck E. Cheese. my immune system. <laughs> it does. It introduces all these diseases. I build up resistance to it, and as an adult, I'm going to be like super tough. Super tight, st like Superman strong. Do you know what happens if you get rabies? What happens if I get rabies? You get to have a lot of shots. Some needles? Yeah. In my bum? Oh, no. In your stomach. 
Platonic? Yeah. Why would... That's, is that where rabies goes? I don't know. There's <laughs> a weird place for rabies to go. You think you could go where the bite was. Like, those little love bites from, from my pet rat. Henry, stop it. I'm going to have to tell about that pet rat. You cannot have that. We're going to get us in trouble. What if I took home a slice of pizza gave it to Guido the rat? So he can be pizza rat? Come on. They already did that in New York. You gotta get rid of the rat. How? It's his place, really. He, I was, he was there before I was. <laughs> it's like he's got squatter's rights. <laughs> you have to tell the matriarch. <gasps> the matron? Yes. She won't let me go to pizza party ever again. I don't think that'll have anything to do with it. If you, if you tell her there is a rat in the closet, you will be a hero. She'll make me get rid of him. And probably all the other rats, too. You know he has a family. Oh, no. Rat, rats are very family-oriented. Not many people know that. Henry, you know this is why we haven't been adopted yet, right? <laughs> <laughs> okay, we're going to do one more. One, one more. more. So. Where would you like these chairs? Pizzeria in Rome. A bird nest. A bird, bird nest. nest. I like that. So, time machine. Time machine where there's giant freaking birds. You know, you know we're gonna be food, right? Right? Maybe not. You know these eggs hatch. We're done for. I mean, it's, it's just a matter of time now. Time, time that we don't have because the time machine is busted. <laughs> and whose fault is that, Richard? I didn't see the volcano. I mean, who expects a volcano? I begged you to let me drive. You said, no, no, women can't drive the time machine. When was the last time you adjusted the time matrix? Oh, this morning before we left. Oh, really? Because I set it to 1972 so I could witness my own birth. <laughs> How many times have I told you we can't do stuff like that? It's going to cause a paradox. Oh, and being in prehistory is any better? You know when we step on a butterfly? Who knows what might happen? Yeah, we come back and the alphabet's different. I read that book. <laughs> So if we don't mess with the timeline at all, supposedly everything takes place as it should, we still get born. Right. And so our lives are forfeit. Right? No paradox. We die here, no big deal. That is a point I had not considered. Okay, so how resolved are you with being like bird food? Mm, I would prefer not to be chewed up and regurgitated into a baby bird's mouth, but... Um, is there some preferred means of death? I mean, would you like to be ripped apart by, like, a saber-toothed tiger, or... Mm, maybe have a T-Rex... Mm. Tar pit? Mm. Oh, no. If we have our bones, they're going to discover human bones back in prehistory. Yeah. That's going to mess all kinds of stuff up. 
I guess we're gonna have to let ourselves be eaten because if we don't, you know, then our bones will be discovered and picked apart. Who would eat the bones too, though? I mean, they're really big birds, Richard. Yeah. Really are. big. <laughs> really big. Bird food then? Deal. All right, bird food it is. Damn it. <laughs> 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 oh, Enjoyed that. There will probably be more of these, maybe. Oh, they were. There will be definitely. Yeah. Don't well, say maybe. There will be definitely. Well, respond if you enjoy it, or if you don't. Let us know what your feedback is. Yes, we know you're out there. Because if you don't want to hear our improv, then that's fine. But yeah, it will likely be a more common thing since we're probably going to have a monthly show. We, we get a monthly gig now. Yeah, unless we end up doing something like a live dark corner or something else other than breathing. Well, we can do those too. That does, they're not mutually exclusive. We can exclusive. do those too. That's true. We could do our, our monthly slot and then if we have something else special, we can do that. Yeah. Like maybe our 10-minute deals on the occasional uh, talent salad. Yeah. Because those are fun to do a brief dark corner. Indeed. Yeah. So I hope you enjoyed that. Any passing thoughts there, darling? Nope. Can we do shout out then? Yep. Hey! hey. Uh, my shout out is to Jim Moon. Uh, I've become a patron. So, yes, I'm now spending the $6 a month to get his content, his great audio. And this is the busiest time for him because Christmas is the time of ghost stories. Oh, yes. I love it. And he's also a big, oh, he's a, a pretty much, I would say, an expert on the history of Christmas. I would as well. And everything surrounding it. So the origins of Christmas, the surroundings of Christmas, whether it's Krampus or Jack Frost he did recently. Yeah. You know, all these different festivities surrounding the holiday. He explores kind of the rites and rituals therein, you know, the history and culture behind it, and plus the ghost story reading. Yes, I love the ghost story readings, and he's already put some out on his Patreon. Yeah, he's talking how he, about how he's going to explore how that even came about. It's the origins of ghost stories around Christmas. Wasn't it a Christmas girl? When he talked about that before, I'm, I mean, he's just going to talk generally about the whole scenario. No, what I mean is... Oh, I no, I think even before then, people told ghost stories around... Okay. I, I think I, it has to do I don't with know, the, so. the darkest night of the year. Oh, I'll just shut up then. And so it's a Yule thing. It's not really a Christmas thing yeah, so much as it's more of a Yule, Yule thing. thing. Yeah, so it's a time where, you know, the dead... It's like the way a lot of people think of Halloween. The, the dead and living, you know, the veil between is thinnest. Mm. And that makes sense if it's, you know, the darkest time of the year that the, the borders between the living and the dead are weakened. Some can step through, so why not tell some ghost stories? So I believe those are their origins, but you take it from Jim. He's, he's the expert. Yes, he is the expert. He's well done, sir. Lots. He's a folklorist. Yes. I mean, plain and simple, that's what he does. So, yeah, that's my shout-out. Jim Moon, Hypnagoria, become a patron, get his uh, extra content. Darling? 
Uh, yes, my shout-outs are to Amy and Heather. Probably no surprise there. Hey. Uh, we created a very strong bond when we recorded that episode of The Edge, and we have, even before that episode was recorded, we already had the green light to the second episode, exploring other things in relation to ourselves and Star Trek Discovery. Nice. And there have been various people since the podcast released yesterday saying, do this more. So yes. hopefully there will be even more endeavors in the future. I love those girls. Mm -hmm. I can call them girls. They're girls, they're women, they're friends, they're, they're sisters, they're all of those things. And I respect both of them deeply and like both of them very much. So Heather and Amy, you get bomb. Yay. But not the actual bomb. No. Uh, uh, figurative how about, bomb. You the best. You the best. You the best. Better than Taylor Swift. Ugh. So that's a great Twitter feed if you want to kind of a history of badass figures and feminism. Oof. Yeah, whatever. <laughs> Sorry, guys. Yep. List, people listing all the people better than Taylor Swift. It's a long list. It is. A really Most long recent list. one was basically someone who was sold as a sex slave to pirates. Eventually became a pirate captain herself with like 300 ships. <laughs> Was so powerful that both China and England allowed her to retire in peace. <laughs> so it was kind of like Mama from Judge Dredd, but without mm -hmm. the uh, terrible ending. Yeah. I mean, the movie Dread, I should say. Yeah, she was yeah a concubine that was sold to pirates and became a pirate captain herself. So, mm -hmm. pretty cool. I guess that's the end of the episode. And we'll be back again, I guess, maybe with another Brave and Dandy. We'll see. We shall see. Mm -hmm. Unless there's a public outcry not to do it. Yep, yeah, true. <laughs> if you're sick of it, because some people don't like improv comedy. It's like at the low end of stuff. I enjoy it. It's fun flying by the seat of her pants, making stuff up on the fly, which is kind of podcasting in itself. Yep. It's not like we wrote the stuff ahead of time. Nope. We're just not playing characters. We're playing ourselves. Right. All right. Uh, that's it. Have a happy and safe holiday season, even though we're going to be back before Christmas. Yep. <laughs> so, happy trails. Ta-ta have just listened to the dark corner podcast hosted by brandy and david jacola find us and other fine podcasts at strangeanddeadly.com send any feedback to the dark corner pod at gmail.com follow us on twitter at dark corner cast you can also like the dark corner podcast page or join the dark corner podcast group on facebook the intro and outro music is Artificial Nocturne Love Thy Brother Remix by Metric. The dark track featured on the podcast was either submitted directly or offered for free by the artist or the artist's representatives. No infringement of copyright is intended. If you enjoy the show, please rate us and leave a review on iTunes. If nothing else, then to let us know that you're out there listening. Now we return you into the light. Until next time, peace and love. Like shadows in a stranger's dream Hiding out in the back together